Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Very Not Random. As always, I'm Pat Sherwood, joined by the illustrious Adrian Bosman. Boz, how are you today, sir? I am doing well. I uh, can't complain. It's a beautiful day here in Oakland, California, and I'm feeling good. Every time we start these, I'm immediately jealous of how much cooler your backdrop is than my gray wall behind me. Hey, you got to get on it. This is, this is years of collecting t-shirts and not knowing what to do with them, but being unable to get rid of them. So they, I finally... Did you put them on like a piece of cardboard or did you yeah. fold one each that beautifully and staple it to the wall? Oh no, I don't have that kind of skill. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I took a 12 by 12 piece of cardboard and draped the shirt over top and then staple gunned it to the wall. Okay. Okay. All so, right. Yeah. Super simple. So there's been some work done um, aesthetically and throwing down workouts in your garage. So I'm curious, what is the last workout that you most recently did? <laughs> the last workout that I did was to get some points on the board. I am doing a, an annual challenge with uh, Brian Shantosh and his crew. I've been doing this every year, <clears throat> excuse me, for a while. And this, uh, this particular month of this challenge, we have to accumulate a running total of ring dips and ring pull-ups. So yeah. all of my workouts have kind of, you know, circled around that. So the workout I did last was effectively four rounds and it started with 10 cows on the bike, then 10 cows on the row and 10 cows on the ski erg. Oh, wow. And after, after each one of those, you do five and five ring dips and ring pull-ups. Then the next round, it was 15 cows of everything, then 20 cows and 25 cows of everything. And after that, you've got the five and five. And it's, it's logged in uh, the Beyond the Whiteboard app, so you can check it out if you want. Man, with all the ring pull-ups and ring dips, you're going to have some pectoral muscles ready for beach season when well, you come that's back out. That's the plan. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's just that, you know, finally I'm going to get huge. So. And if that was the last workout you did, do you know, do you have your next one planned or is it TBD? Uh, TBD. My friend Jordan um, from Seattle is going to come down over the weekend. And when he's in town, we usually like to get together and just come up with a, some Put sort of creative... Put locker? Correct, yes. So I, I don't know what. It's uh, going to be based on his input. So I don't know yet. There's that wonderful spectrum of workouts that's only appropriate to do with your friends and not your clients. Exactly, yes. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> okay, let's never talk about this again. <laughs> yep. The, uh, that, I, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole. The last, the last it made, a, made me think of a terrible workout we did as a trainer workout at an old level one seminar. But the last workout that I just did was one of those terrible ones because there was just no real reason to stop. And you're like, oh mm. no. Yep. It was a 15 minute AMRAP of 12 Russian kettlebell swings with just the 53. Yep. Nine burpees and six V-ups. Oh, yeah. Just That's over just... and over and over and over. And you're like, ah, oh, you can always keep swinging it 12 times. You're like, well, it's not all the way overhead. It's just Russian. Yep. And then the burpees, nine sucks, but it's a single digit. It's not over the box. It's not over the bar. And then nobody likes V-ups, but it's only six. Like, you can gut yep. through it. And then all of a sudden, like nine minutes in, you're like, this is awful. That's one of those workouts, too, where you look up at the clock after three rounds, and you're like, uh-oh, 45 <laughs> seconds. I mean, maybe not that fast, right, but, right. but it's way faster than you want it to be. Yep. And you realize you've got a lot of time to work. Indeed, indeed. Well, in, in the vein of, of working out and fitness and popular topics, today is a great one. One that if I could have selfishly chosen to talk about, this would be one. But this is a, a community-driven topic as well. And it is volume and intensity. I don't know if I should say volume and intensity or volume versus intensity. I don't know if they're friends or adversaries or good neighbors. 
Uh, I think but, they hang out. I think they get along pretty well. You know, they just, uh, they just, you know, they have a different outlook on life. But I think mm-hmm. they, they certainly like come over for barbecues, I would say. And, and if they are neighbors and we're going to define who these neighbors are, volume as obvious as it may be, if we're talking about the volume, it's an oversimplification is just how much working out are you doing? You know, how, how long does it take? How many reps? How many sessions? How much working out? The amount. And then intensity has got a couple different ways that we can define it from more geeky to less geeky to mathematic to relative. But the long line that you'll hear at CrossFit Level 1 seminars and the CrossFit Journal is that intensity is the independent variable most commonly associated with maximizing the rate of return on favorable, favorable adaptation. And if that's your first time hearing it, you're probably like, well, now I'm more confused than before when you defined it. So if we break it down, intensity is the independent variable independent variable, meaning it's the factor that you can change and modify and see, did it switch the outcome? Uh, Most commonly associated, so most of the time, with maximizing the rate of return, how fast something happens, of favorable adaptation. And and in our case, in fitness and in CrossFit, favorable adaptation means what you want. And so what you would want out of your workouts is fitness, is work capacity across broad time modal domain. So another oversimplification is Intensity is very, very important to getting the results out of your fitness program. And, you know, there are other ways to define it. You know, you're very familiar with this, but, you know, what's more the mathematical formulaic, uh, you know, force distance kind of deal? That's exactly it is force times distance. So how heavy was it or how heavy are you? How many times did it move and how far and how long did that take? And that is going to get you power. And so it's kind of interesting because you see this trickle-down effect where intensity, if you look at the factors that go into it, it's like, well, of course, those are going to have a huge influence on your outcome. How many reps did you do? How much did it weigh? How long did it take? All of these things intuitively make a lot of sense. You go to the gym even as a a beginner, or maybe you're not even at the gym. You're just somebody that wants to get in shape. You roll out of bed in the morning. You start doing push-ups. At the point that 10 push-ups becomes easy... It's super intuitive for you to say, okay, I'm going to try to do 15 and Mm -hmm. 20. All that is is increasing your intensity uh, by increasing the reps and distance. And if you look at like the movement selection we even think about, it trickles down to that as well. We're always going to be thinking about what are the movements that produce that biggest, you know, bang for your buck. The calf raise at the end of the day isn't going to be a high power movement. And because it's not a high power movement, it's not really going to push the needle forward as much as something like, say, a squat or sprinting or, you know, jumping, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think CrossFit and us and everybody else in the community does a very good job in general with regards to intensity because, you know, part of the definition that you'll hear is that intensity is relative to the individual based upon the right. individual's physical and psychological tolerances. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. But we don't have a little phrase like that that we say for volume. And we almost yeah. should, right? That, that the volume that you can handle is based upon the individual's physical tolerances because while Absolutely. all of us are created equal, all of us are not created equal with regards to handling workout volume. And, and there maybe starts to begin why these neighbors disagree every now and then of, of intensity <laughs> yeah. and volume. And, and you and I have talked about this before where, you know, you have this sport of CrossFit now that is so accessible and, and it's, it's great for that. You know, like you can 
picture yourself doing what the top of the heap are doing. You can uh, compete against your heroes. Exactly. And, and sometimes you can convince yourself, you're like, oh, I'm not so far off. I mean, I'm guilty of that every time the Open rolls around. I, uh, I, you know, I see these guys do the workouts and I immediately reject my strategy that I had going into the workout. Right. I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it unbroken. They, you know, Pat Vellner did it unbroken. Why, why not me? Makes sense. And uh, I'll tell you, it almost never works out in my favor. <laughs> but I think because the, the events themselves are so accessible... It's easy to kind of mentally sidestep the fact that those guys that are treating this as a professional athletic contest have a large time frame of building up capacity to be able to train mm-hmm. the way that they do. It's not something that they just stepped into and day one, they're in the gym eight times a week, twice a day on some of those days. Like it's just not, it's right. just not possible for the average person. There and- needs to be consideration for that ramp up. And some of them, depending upon their athletic background before CrossFit, you know, maybe they've been a professional CrossFit athlete for three years, seven years, and they've been putting in, like you said, high volume training. If that was their first indoctrination, great. But some of them, if they were, for example, you know, like using my wife as an example, where sometimes I would get frustrated in the garage working out against her because she's better than me. And, and she would say, like, do you realize before I even started doing CrossFit right. since I was a gymnast, from the age of four till the time I graduated college, I trained four hours a day, five days a week. From the time she was four to five years old, I was just stuffing Oreos in my face, not doing anything. In like that's not even that's a landslide of training that you, you don't think about that it's accessible behind the scenes, and so it's not shocking that somebody like her can handle a higher level of volume and training. That I'm I'm fatigued and and. I can't recover at the end. She's great. We're not operating on the same play, on a level playing field. Yeah, for sure. And you know, volume is one of those things that I think it's a little bit seductive because it's something that if you have the time of day, like if you have an open schedule or you can make the time for it, you can always kind of get in there and do it. It doesn't feel like it's this totally soul crushing element. Mm-hmm. You're just going through the, the motions, getting some reps in, you know, etc. And I think sometimes people, they come at it with this more is more mentality, and that's not necessarily the case. And and I'll give you an easy example. This is one that's intuitive to everybody. If I take you down to the track and I say, okay, today the only goal is to get one mile on the track. And I don't care how you do it. I don't care the time frame that you do it. I just want you to get one mile. And so you decide at a very leisurely pace to just walk that mile. (laughs) Yes. You know, the response is going to be minimal. Sure, you could argue it's better than doing nothing, of course, sure. But is that really going to push the needle forward? No, I don't think anybody's going to make a hard argument that that's, that's it right there. That's your, mm-hmm. your way, path to fitness. But if I put the parameters that we're going to do a one-mile time trial, I mean, now the time we're looking at is very, very short relatively. You know, it's not a long session to get out there and warm up right. and hit a mile. But the effect of that physiologically is going to have a much more pronounced um, you know, outcome that you'll be able to at least start to see some adaptation to. Doing the same amount of work, just doing it in a significantly shorter time domain. And, exactly. And sometimes, again, one of my go-tos is always oversimplifying, which, which potentially could be a, to a fault every now and then. But I would try to let people know that when we're talking about intensity, in loose terms, non-scientific terms, 
we're just talking about working hard. So if every time right. you go to the track, you run slower, you're not advancing <laughs> your goals. If every time you slide under the barbell for the bench press, you take a little weight off the bar, you're not advancing. We're just talking about you're getting out there and in, in that chosen activity, you're pushing your limits, you're working hard, right. you obviously want to maintain good fundamentals and safety, but within whatever working capacity you have for mechanics and your physical tolerance for discomfort, you want to bump into that threshold a little bit. And if you are, if you bump into that intelligently and appropriately and allow yourself some rest, that's where some good stuff is going to happen. Yeah, so for sure. That's one of the beautiful things of intensity. And that's why when you defined you know, CrossFit and it's constantly varied function moves at high intensity, that's why in a very small number of words, they chose intensity to put in there because it's that important. And so if we understand the importance of intensity, that we understand the pros, the potential cons might be, if you think that intensity means maximal effort every day, you're probably going to suffer some level of burnout or if you're not resting enough, like you can, each person can overdo it if they go beyond their threshold regularly. Yeah. So there are pros and cons to intensity. If we look at the volume piece, are there pros and cons to that or is it just lopsided to one or the other? I think there's definitely pros. I think that, you know, if you're somebody that you've, you've got a good base of regular high intensity training under your belt and you've started to see things plateau off a little bit, I think that's one tool in the tool chest that can help you break through to the next plateau is, okay, maybe I start adding a couple of you know, auxiliary movements at the end of my workout, or I, I spend a little bit more time refining some skills at a lower weight than I would during the main course of my workout. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's absolutely something that you can start building in. But I think the mistake is, okay, I'm still seeing a pretty good trajectory of my results. I'm still improving. But I think that I can improve twice as much by doing twice as much in the gym. Right. And that is it's, where you start to get into this. Yeah, exactly. This, this spiral. And I, I had a thought. This is an analogy to your point about oversimplification. Uh, I used to use this analogy a lot, and I, I hadn't thought about it in, in years. But uh, you can think about intensity almost like a, like a candle, and you're trying to warm up your hands, right? If I hold my hand so far above the flame Mm -hmm. that I don't even feel the heat of the candle. It doesn't matter how long I hold the, the, my hand there. It's never going to get warm. And it's the same thing with volume. If I'm just thinking about, well, I'm just going to hold my hand there or be in the gym for a long time, there's no guarantee that it's actually going to warm your hand. Now, mm -hmm. the opposite end of that analogy is that if I hold my hand too close to the flame, well, I'm going to get burned. And that's the too much, too intense. But I feel like that's pretty self-regulatory. People, it's, it's a rare person that can truly max themselves out. It's, it's right. just gonna start to self-regulate because you're like, I just can't do it. Um, but it's that sweet spot where you're like, yep, the hand's getting warm, but it's not so hot that I have to move my hand away uh, after a short period of time. That's kind of what we're going for. And I think that kind of helps to illustrate this relative intensity idea. I love that example. I'm going to steal it. I will do my best to give you credit when I use it. And I think the other interesting thing is you, you can regulate the intensity by how close or far away you have your hand to the flame, but also the flame size might change every now sure. and then with the intensity of, of the stimulus, of the yep. workout. You know, 
and by its you know by its very nature some workouts are made to be just short and sharp just an explosive bomb that you know we will actually allow you to hold your hand really close to the flame but it's going to be for a very short period of time you know by design and you know going down that path you know if we, if we talk about and when you just said that volume was good or had its benefits some of the things that you mentioned were um lower intensity sessions i would think you mentioned some skill work some some yeah. additional accessory things it wasn't that you were doing fran followed by fran or something like that you know <laughs> yeah now we could go down that road of how frequently is that's needed is it beneficial for the competitor but the only place that I think affiliate owners or athletes in their garage, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I just want to arm them with some information to roll around in their head so that whatever they decide to do, if it's more volume, less volume, they at least do it with open eyes, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody's goals yep. are a little bit different. And there's also a difference between what some people want and what they need. And, you know, oh, and, yeah. and sometimes they align and sometimes they don't. So... While volume can be wonderful and necessary, especially for the CrossFit competitor, like you're going to live in that world of multiple events over the course of a day or, you know, seven yep. over the course of two days or something. And if you don't train for that, you're not going to do well. It's just, it is what it is. Right. But for the regular human that you touched on, if one workout makes you fit, two workouts doesn't make you doubly fit. Like it just doesn't quite right. work that way. And so all I would caution people to is, don't be don't be impatient, right? Things mm-hmm. take time. It takes a long time to build an engine. Contrary to popular belief, you just can't run for three weeks and magically be okay. It takes yep. a long time to build strength and gymnastics capacity and allow it to take the time that it takes because that will give you the time to, to make some mistakes that won't be catastrophic, reel it back in, polish some technique here without jumping into the deep end of the pool too quickly and... Where I see this regularly is somebody gets impatient, they add more volume when I would personally think that they're not ready for it, and yeah. now they've added this more volume to a base that I don't think was was ready, and so now instead of maximizing their intensity in one workout, which we just said was so critically important, since they're a regular human, they're now doing two workouts with moderate intensity. Yep. And since the intensity is key to the results, they don't, that doesn't yield them the fitness that they hoped that it would. And so most human beings, in my opinion, if they're working hard and they're not getting the results that they think they should get, most people don't go, man, I'm doing all this stuff in the gym and I'm not getting fit. You know what I need to do? I need to do a lot less. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that pops into most people's heads. Right. But yeah. what, it's almost like if you have a campfire and you throw too much wood on it, you can extinguish the flame. You actually mm-hmm. need to peel yep. it back so that it can breathe and burn hot. And it's the same deal to a degree with some fitness as if, if we remove session B, C, D, and E from your daily training and you just warm up and just try to smash workout A, cool down, go home, that might do you more good than you realize. And I think that's the slippery slope That just living in the world of following some beasts on Instagram, I think it can lead you down a a slippery path. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that it's one of those things that it's so easy to lose sight of, but so easy to also get back on track. 
And that is really just taking an honest look at what is happening with your results. And so mm-hmm. if you're tracking your workouts, which you know you guys should be, you got access to this amazing app, um, take a look and, and take a look over time. Are things trending in the right direction? And if the answer is yes, great, keep going. You know, um, And if the answer is maybe things have plateaued or I'm not getting better uh, you know, as, as much as I'd like to, well then start to examine why. And if you're already working with a ton of volume, you're already putting in a lot of time at the gym, you're already doing, you know, multiple sessions and auxiliary work and all this kind of, you know, add-ons, and you see things not trending in the right direction, it, to your point, I think the easy answer for most people is, oh, I just need to pile on more instead of I need to narrow my focus and kind of go back to the drawing board. So get back to square one. Think about what is actually happening under the hood. What's going on with my results? And and they will tell the accurate story. It's often the case that you confuse your feelings about the process with the Mm -hmm. process itself. So just keep an eye on that. It's easy. It's easy to fall into that mindset. I want to give credit where it's due. And I think it was Tommy Hackenbrook that said something along the lines of, you don't need a harder workout. You need to go harder in your workout. Sounds like something Tommy would say. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, a very accomplished beast of an athlete. Yeah. Like, understood it. And as a matter of fact, even um, I had the pleasure of having the conversation with um, the guy that just ran a sub five mile and back squatted 500 pounds, Adam Clink. Oh, Clink, yeah. Yeah, a beast, an absolute oh, beast. Yeah. Talked to him on the phone, great guy. And he was the first one. To tell me because I was picking his brain about how it went and what he did it. And he's like, man, he's like, you would get this, you know, more than most people. He, he's like, people think I did so much training. He's like, I didn't necessarily do a lot of volume. He's like, you know, I didn't do a ton of track sessions. But every time I went to the track, I sold my soul to the devil. It, it, was, <laughs> it was intensity. You know, like that was, yep. that was the cornerstone of driving results. And I think, again, it can be easy to lose sight of that. But, but great fitness... For most people that aren't professional athletes and have an hour to spend on mobility and then you know, have an ice bath here and you have these electronic tools that stimulate all your muscles, like if you've got you know work and job and kids and stuff and you've got to get in and out of the gym, you probably don't need more working out. You need yeah, a, absolutely. a great warm-up, a great workout that you pour your heart into that's intelligently designed and scaled for you if needed, and then go get a good meal and some darn rest. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the old timers uh, used to say it best, I think. They, you, you talk about like kind of the early 20th century physical culturists and they figured out early on that it's like, look, you can train with a lot of intensity or you can train with a lot of volume. But trying to do both is going to be a pretty short lifespan for the average person. Uh, it's just not going to be a tenable long term solution. And especially to your point, you know, if you're trying to compare yourself with somebody who has eliminated so many of the other stressors of their life to just focus on being an athlete, and you are still in the uh, average person category where you have these other things going on, you have these other stressors, it's it's a completely different ball game at that point. So cut yourself some slack and focus on doing the best job that you can with that time that you do have, and you'll be happy with the results. Yep. So listening to this, you could be a regular athlete, which I lump myself into that, a normal human category, a gym owner. Trying I don't know to about normal, this Pat. But... Okay. Yeah. It's a wide strike zone <laughs> in that word. <laughs> a gym owner trying to communicate this to their clients. Or you could be a, an aspiring athlete that 
you will go down the path of more volume and you should do it intelligently. So whatever choice you make, we just want to arm you with a bit of information because the volume intensity, not debate, but, but concept, it's not going anywhere. It's here to stay and they both have their place. So yeah, I guess until next time, we'll, we'll dive into the next topic, but enjoy your continued uh, ring dip and ring, uh, ring pull-up challenge. And I won't oh, be, I will. You know, I'll be just watching you. I'm hoping by the next time we do one of these, I'll be at least one shirt size larger. But yeah. I, I don't know if that's in the cards. We'll see. <laughs> well, good luck. Thanks, to everybody, for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. How's that for time, space on your card? Beautiful. Good. All right, let me... It looks like that actually recorded the whole time, which is great.